NPR. Several years ago, Sam Patazopoulos was a business student in San Diego, and she knew one thing in her life had to change. I wasn't working out at all, to be honest. It was, it was something that I always wanted to do. Like growing up, I really admired the people that were on the sports teams. I was not one of those people. And as Sam was trying to get fitter, she tried forcing herself to go to the gym. She even tried restricting her food intake. I was trying to develop habits in all of the worst ways. So it was looking at that piece of, okay, I want to develop healthy habits. So what could I bring into my life that may help that balance improve? That's something, it turns out, financial incentives. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Darian Woods. As we close one year and we begin another, maybe this will be the time that you finally become a kite surfer or volunteer at the cat shelter. Whatever it is, behavioral economics can help. So today on the show, building a happy New Year's. How rewarding or penalizing yourself with cash can make new habits stick. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Dana-Farber scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years, data through 2022. They've made one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Support for NPR and the following message come from Fisher Investments. VP Casey Ellis explains what their fiduciary duty looks like in practice. When you find a firm that is a fiduciary like Fisher Investments, you can at least rest assured that the recommendations, the client service, the fee structures, all of these sorts of things are really aligned with your best interests. Learn more at fisherinvestments.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. At the age of 20, Sam was just about to graduate college in San Diego, and she was determined to find a way to reach her fitness goals. I end up surrounded by research papers, and I'm reading all of these different frameworks about behavioral economics, about why people will take the actions they do and how we can help to motivate behavior in a positive way. And one behavioral economist in particular keeps popping up. Over and over, this concept of incentives to exercise kept coming up, and it had the same name. And that's how I found Dr. Ori Ganesi, was at UCSD, right in my backyard. Ori Ganesi is a behavioral economist at the University of California, San Diego. And Sam is so motivated by this quest that she doesn't just want to get fit herself. She wants to take that behavioral economics into a business to help other people, something like an app or a website. So I emailed him three times before he agreed to meet. But when he did, um, I showed him, you know, I'm really excited about what your research shows and would you be interested in partnering on this? And uh, we were able to bring him onto our advisory board. She's very enthusiastic and it, it's really amazing that she is on the right way. Uri Ganesi joined the advisory board of Sam's new health tech company, which she named Visa. And Uri was the right guy to advise Visa because he has a whole career dedicated to real-life experiments. They sometimes involved people getting paid to do stuff and seeing how the payments themselves affect behavior. Uri writes about incentives in his book, Mixed Signals. And on one level, you might think, well, this is obvious. If you pay money for something, you're going to get that result. 
But Uri says incentives are a double-edged sword. Incentives don't just give you motivation to do something. They also give you information. And the information sometimes contradicts the incentive. In fact, Uri was part of a legendary experiment in a daycare center that showed these mixed signals beautifully. So parents would receive a fine if they were late to pick up their kids. It was this late fee that he put in place. It was an incentive to be on time. But the parents also inferred some information from this, rightly or wrongly. They thought that because the fine was small, the daycare center didn't really care about lateness that much. The penalty was worth paying for many parents. And so in the end, they picked up their kids even later than before. These parents were like, hey, uh, sorry, kid, we, we were trying to get our money's worth here. Yeah, exactly. We paid the fine, so we can be late. <laughs> <laughs> so when Uri Ganesi started studying gym attendance, he didn't know ahead of time which signal would dominate. Like, if you paid college students each time they went to the gym, would this actually backfire as the students interpreted this scheme as evidence that exercise is a chore? It's a hassle, something not fun that one needs to be bribed into doing. Uri and a colleague paid the students for about a month. So we took a group of uh, students, paid them $100 to go to the gym for eight times. Now, our students, if you pay them $100, they'll do almost anything for you. Sounds like a good deal for a student. Right, right. They did it. That was not a surprise. The question was, what's going to happen after we stop paying them, after a month? The question Uri always asks is, how do incentives and information interact? More specifically, do incentives on net increase gym going? And when the cash payments stop, what happens to gym attendance? We found strong support that people who didn't go to the gym before now started going to the gym. Two months after the cash was taken away, Uri found that the college students were on average about twice as likely to go to the gym compared to students in the control group. The cash didn't undermine motivation. It boosted attendance. And Uri thinks this has to do with habit forming. You can say, look, the first month is going to be a pain. The first time you'll go, you'll feel weird. It's not going to be fun. After a month, suddenly maybe you see the changes in your body. You see that uh, things are easier for you. Now, another experiment by other behavioral economists showed this effect does not last forever. For example, the college winter break in particular can kill off a lot of these healthy habits. But the fact that financial incentives worked not just for the month of payments, but for the next two months after they've been taken away, that shows that maybe we should think about incentives more when we're thinking about our New Year's resolutions. So the average person out there is not going to have a team of researchers paying them money. What could it practically look like for an everyday person? You can pay yourself, right? You think about yourself. Say that I, I decide that every day I don't go to exercise, I give $100 to my least loved charity. Right, maybe an, an opposing political party, perhaps. Right, exactly. And it's that commitment that Uri says is really important. He thinks people should figure out a way so that they can't renegotiate their commitments when the time comes up to actually do them. Don't negotiate with yourself. Don't allow to yourself, oh, yeah, today, no. If you're committed, even if you feel really lousy, go and do it, right? That's, I think, a really important aspect. Uri says the research shows the benefits of tying yourself to the mast to avoid the new you ship careening into the rocks because of the siren song of temptation. And these ideas of incentives and commitment reminded us of this satirical TV show, Nathan, for you. Break. I'm going to show you... We played a clip of it for Uri. Okay, I'm watching it now. 
And in this scene, Nathan's essentially trying to bribe himself into writing a screenplay. ...project I've been working on. I'll often set up a camera and take a photo of myself in an embarrassing position, like posing as the meat in a human hot dog. I'll then print out the photo and place it in an envelope addressed to my grandma. So Nathan delivers the envelope to a notary. notary ...who I instruct to mail it out if and only if I don't show proof of my completed screenplay in two weeks' time. I find I'm able to complete my goals in record time. Then all it takes is presenting my completed work to the notary to reclaim my letter. The guy would get A in my class. <laughs> Nathan Fielder gets an A. Very good grades. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uri says that the, the commitment devices don't all need to be that painful or embarrassing. In fact, he says the evidence is unclear whether or not sticks or carrots are the best for motivation. Incentivize. If you go to the gym, try all the equipment. Or maybe you like surfing if you can, or running if you can, whatever it is. Because if you find something that you really enjoy, then you can, you can stick to it. Along with finding something to make your goal fun or setting up some kind of consequence so that you can really commit, Uri says that the research shows that bringing other people along can enhance your incentives. If you have a group, you don't want to disappoint your friend, right? So that could be some kind of pressure. Uri Ganesi shared all his findings on human motivation with Sam Pantazopoulos. That's the uh, enterprising 20-year-old starting her first business. Well, Sam applied these findings to her company, Visor. They built an app where restaurants and cafes would give vouchers to users when they achieved their goals. And then Visor's partners would also donate to charity. So a twist on the various carrot and stick apps already out there. Every day you worked out, you had the opportunity to donate a meal, and then you could earn rewards for yourself. And Sam used the app for her fitness goals, too. I work out now. <laughs> I don't work out every day. But on average, I worked out 100 days a year for the last five years. Sam says she likes yoga and walks on the beach. She kickstarted her habit with bribes. She also bundled exercise with forms of working out that she actually enjoys. And these are approaches for New Year's resolutions that are backed up by behavioral economics. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Gilly Moon. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Cake and Cannon edits the show and the indicators of production of NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little breaks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express Business. Take your business further with the Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits to help unlock more business value. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.